0: We are back one last time with Sam Alberry, an author, speaker, and minister at St. Mary's Maidenhead Anglican Church in the UK, and he joins us from his office in Oxford. Sam, I want to talk with you about the sexual identity conversations you've had specifically on secular college campuses. Uh, This is a huge question facing pastors and leaders. Uh, These conversations are as potentially volatile as they are potent for good. Obviously, speaking of sexual practices and self-identity with biblical conviction and with humility, these are conversations that open outreach opportunities like few other things do. From your experience, what have you learned from publicly engaging LGBT societies on campus and how can we steward these types of conversations well?
1: Yeah, thank you. It's, um, it's no surprise to anyone that this is a huge issue on our, on our campuses at the moment and my suspicion is that, that the majority of, of people who are in ministry in, in campus contexts are pretty fearful of how this issue may play out for them. There's the, the fear that if you, if you kind of say anything remotely orthodox and biblical on this issue that you'll be shut down immediately, that you'll have massive amounts of opposition. Uh, that is certainly a possibility. But um, nevertheless, I think there are, there are just some wonderful opportunities to engage on this issue. And my encouragement to, to pastors and, and to campus ministries out there is, is that actually there's a harvest to be had on this issue. Hmm. So I've, I've had some experience of, of doing this, not a huge amount by any means, but, um, I've had a few opportunities to go onto secular campuses to, to talk and engage with uh, secular LGBT students. And I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's been, I'll be honest, it's been a bit scary at times because you never quite know what, what kind of reaction you're going to get. But I've really enjoyed it. And a few, there's a few things that have, have been quite key takeaways for me. The, the first is that actually many of these people we, we are nervous of because we think everyone is an activist and is out to, to kind of jump up and down on us. One of the things that was a bit of a revelation to me was that actually a lot of these students, particularly in the LGBT societies on campus, they were more fearful of me than I was of them. Wow. Um, I remember giving a talk once at an event that was co-sponsored by the the Campus LGBT Society, so a lot of their, their members were were present. And there was an opportunity for people to, to line up behind the microphone and ask me questions. And I could hear a few voices kind of cracking as they would ask a question. And I I initially thought they were that was a sign of anger. And as I got to, to listen to these people, I, I began to realize, no, no, they're that 's fear, huh. and it was a revelation to me because i don 't think anyone 's ever been frightened of me in my life and it It actually broke my heart that these students were because they thought I hated them, they thought i was I was out to kind of have a go at them and to attack them, and I found that heartbreaking because you know i was I was there to represent the prince of peace, I was there to represent the, the most loving person who ever lived and It just made me realize that the onus is on us as believers to show that we we are for people and not against them, that we care for them, that we don't hate them, that we want to know them. And I think we assume we are the target, everyone else is the aggressor. And so we're in defensive posture. Actually, I think we need to be the ones taking the initiative, extending um, love and grace to, to people around us, initiating friendship Doing what we can to serve others. So that was the first thing was just realizing that just changed the way I, I spoke and changed the way I related to some of these guys. I just thought I need to, the first thing I need to do is reassure them um, of what I'm not. But the second thing I realized is and it's a bit of a cliche, but the importance of listening well is huge. There's a There's a passage I've been reflecting on a lot recently that I think actually is very useful for this whole area. It's Proverbs 18 verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears it is his folly and shame if one gives an answer before he hears it's his folly and shame and i think too often we've been in kind of a, i've got to you know i've got to have my spiel that i've got to i've got to say to people actually I, I find the more i listen to someone particularly in this context actually the the much sharper my instinct is then of where i need to begin in sharing something of christ the more i the more i've heard them the more I will have a sense of who they are, where they've come from, where they're at, and therefore where to start. That's been huge for me. And I found generally if, I, if I'm engaging with someone in that kind of context and they talk about being part of the LGBT society or whatever it might be, just for me to say, i just love to hear a bit more of your story. If you, if you feel comfortable sharing it with me, it would be a real privilege to just hear a little bit about how things have been for you on this issue. And generally, by the time I've, I've had a few minutes or even longer to do that, I get a sense of whether they've been wounded by some of the things that they've gone through, whether they are, you know, there they, they can be any number of things going on behind the surface. And it just gives me a sense of whether I need to start with the compassion of Christ, whether I need to start with the, the way in which Christ humbles us, or whatever else it might be. But listening has helped. And then I think a third thing is that... Again, people assume that we are unjust and harmful in what we believe as as Bible-believing Christians about sexuality. And so one of the things I I want to try and show as far as possible is that Jesus treats us the same. Uh, the, The gospel puts us in the same boat. And so a principle I've taken from that is not to say to someone what I can't say to everyone. I can think of an event I was at recently, a young lady came up to me afterwards and said well i'm, I'm a lesbian so what do you think about it? and my response to her was to say well actually jesus has some really interesting things to say about sexuality to all of us and she said oh well why what does he say and i talked a little bit about how jesus shows that there's a there's a kind of a brokenness there's a a skewedness to all of us that that plays out even in our sexuality for every single one of us and I wanted to see how far I could go in the conversation without saying anything that is specific to her lesbianism. And I found that actually we we could have a very, very fruitful and long conversation without me having to touch on her specifics. And I think that's important because she's not going to properly hear what Jesus thinks of her specific situation unless she's heard what Jesus says to all of us. So I wanted her to realize before we got to her, I wanted her to realize how the the gospel levels the playing field, how we're... Again, we're all in the same boat, and again, I found that has been very, very. That seems to to be very fruitful. I had a, a conversation with one uh, student who came up to me and said, I'm, "I'm not a Christian. I'm gay, but I'm I'm reading Mark's Gospel at the moment." And I, he said, he'd started going to a church, and I I asked him what was drawing him to to Christian things, and he said, "Well, I realised that Jesus treats me the same." He said, "I." I've been part of a community that has always said we are different and we are special, that we have a parade and everyone else celebrates us. But he said, I I realize that Jesus treats me the same and actually I don't want to be different. And it just hit me that actually there is a kind of equality you get with the message of Jesus that you don't get in a secular society that prides itself on equality So that's helped me just to think, Okay, I'm not going to say to someone what I can't say to everyone, just because I'm trying to show them the gospel isn't unfair. It has the same humbling, challenging message to all of us that will work its way out in slightly different ways. But I wanted them to know that actually, you know, the the ground around the cross is is level ground. And then the final thing that I've, I've really got from those encounters is just there is an openness to the gospel Um, A lot of these folks that I've met, certainly, actually, they know they're lost and they just don't know where to look. And obviously, if you start a conversation with what you think about the ethics of gay sex, you're you're probably not going to get very far. But when I start talking about what the Bible says about, say, identity or what the Bible says about intimacy, I find people are really interested because some of it they've half sensed in their own experience that something doesn't quite add up. And so when I talk about how the, the, Bible, the Bible shows us we can live without sex, but it, we're not meant to live without intimacy, and that the Bible has a much broader way of thinking about intimacy than we do, people are really dialed in. So in our culture, we've, we've pretty much collapsed sex and intimacy into each other. So we find it very hard to conceive of intimacy that isn't ultimately sexual. But that the Bible shows us you can have plenty of sex without having intimacy, and it also shows us you can have plenty of intimacy without having sex. And I find that has a lot of students asking questions because they've sort of partially sensed some of that, but they've just never heard it that way before. And actually to commend biblical wisdom to them is, I think, so I've I've had some really wonderful opportunities. Um, so I think there is a, there is a harvest field by my, my message to people who are Pastors, when it comes to issues of human sexuality, is your your job is not to duck the issue. Your job is not even just to hold the line. Your job is to win people. And the gospel is good news in in whichever area of life we apply it. That is no less the case when we apply it to the issues of human sexuality. We're giving people good news, not bad news, and we can have great confidence in that. So I I just think we need to we need to have the right posture, the right tone. We need to go in with with humility and grace. I think we need to be of service. We need to be approaching some of these these groupings and and to to say, you know, what what can we do to serve you? How can we help? But I, I think when when the initial hesitation and nervousness of of being around Bible believing Christians, when when that kind of calms down, people you can have some very very fruitful conversations, and wonderfully, that there, there's a there is a harvest within the gay community, and so. Woe to us if we are not actually engaging in that task of of proclaiming Christ there.
0: Sam, very insightful counsel, brother. It's a lot of practical wisdom to process and to think through. Uh, Thank you for your time over these past few days. As always, it's great to catch up with you.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Tony.
0: Anytime, Sam. That was Sam Alberry, author, speaker for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries and minister at St. Mary's Maidenhead Anglican Church in the UK. He joined us from his office in Oxford. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We will return on Friday with John Piper himself. He'll be back. We'll see you then.